Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. A transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. We were two drop touchdowns and three missed field goals away from talking about a very, very different game on Saturday. Well, come on, man. Nonetheless, it's a win for Texas, 28-21 over Tulsa. We'll talk about that. And the showdown against USC on Saturday, big implications for the Tom Herman era going forward from that one. We'll break it all down on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, what's going on, man? Man, uh, now that it's this home game USC week, was thinking about it, because I remember like when this was put on the non-conference schedule, it was sort of something like so far down the road, you're like, oh, it's going to be awesome, and Texas and USC are going to be back, and then we're at this game week, and it feels like another Texas game, but maybe, you know, whenever it becomes the Bamas and LSUs and all those other ones way down the road, that those are going to be the ones when Texas is back against the big team early on. So are you saying wait till next year? Oh, no. I think we might have to wait a year or two well, for yeah. that big preseason matchup. I don't know. I don't like the schedule as much. Well, look, not, here it is. sexy here, next year. Here it is. It's like this. We only we only get 12 of these. We're only guaranteed 12 of these, so I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I, I'll, yep. Before we move on, shout out to Crystal Conte, Drew Martin, everybody in Texas. Bevo Boulevard, a new pregame setup. For those of you who are not down there during the Tulsa game, man, it was as legit as anything I've seen on the 40 acres ever. I've been going to games since 1993, and, man, I can't remember a pregame setup that was like that. It, that's what it should feel like. If you want to say a place like Texas, a blue blood program, that's what your pregame atmosphere, your game atmosphere should feel like every week. So hats off to Chris Del Conte and the folks at Texas for making that happen. A man who knows what the game atmosphere on the 40 acres is like, knows what it's like to play in front of a, uh, a sold-out crowd, and knows what it's like to be on the 40 acres when times are good. Well, times are always good when we've got our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American. 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree his T-ring should be here very soon, and when he gets it, he will wear it proudly. But nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, we'll, we'll start the week off with uh, a couple sidebars. Number one, I apologize for the scratchy voice I've got. I've been under the weather for the last few days. It started on late, uh, started actually late Wednesday into Thursday, mm. Friday. I was down. Week. Uh, yeah. Family so, sick. Yep. Well, I told I told Rod and I was on with Rod and E. Hogan uh, for the Horns pregame show, and Rod saw me. I was sweating buckets and just not looking good. Mm, didn't look well. Toughed not it well. out, didn't and I good. said, you know, I, I went through the game and uh, told my colleague Chip Brown. I was writing my column. I said, Chip, I'm just not feeling right, man. I'm gonna head to the house and sleep it off and mm. wake up and get after tomorrow. And woke up Sunday morning, and the only thing I was getting after was the bathroom, man. There was no, <laughs> no getting after anything. I was down. I had the flu, the aches, and the chills, and the sweats. And so I'm, I'm going at about 80% today. I've got the Gatorade right mm-hmm. here next to me. So yep. still stay feel, hydrated. Still feeling Make the effects sure of dehydration. Make sure you got championship the, level hydration. Get yes. you some Pedialyte. Mm-hmm. I'll dispel some rumor in your window. It was not the third quarter of the Texas game that got me sick. I was sick before oh. the game, so it was, it was not the fourth the quarter, quarter for defense that got you. Oh, yeah, we got we got to talk about this, Rod. <laughs> um, real, but real, before we do that, I want to get into this. So today, as we record this, um, today, seventeen years to the day, it was on a Tuesday. Uh, September 11th, and uh, Rod, yeah. you were on the 40 at the time. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt, I believe you were in high school still. Senior correct? in high school, yep. As was I. Yeah. Um, Rod, it just brought back memories for me of that 2001 season, which to me is is uh, as a fan is the Texas team that that ripped my heart out and stomped on it because that team was so close to to winning a national championship. A damn I, good I, team. I'll never forget the feeling I felt, which 
we told the story, Rod, many times of feeling you got uh, being in the locker room at Texas Stadium, not the new stadium, the old stadium, the old Texas Stadium with oh, the hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mac Brown telling you guys that, hey, Tennessee beat Florida, and yep. uh, if you guys take care of business, you're 60 minutes away from playing Miami for the belt. And if I re- you beat Colorado again, by the way, yes. you had already beat them. Beat them 41-7 to earlier. Yeah, Pummeled them here yeah, at home. I went to that plus. game. That was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that was the Benson coming out party. That yeah, was when was. Benson got to go yeah. and start. Oh, after and, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's when they Mac first Brown, started him. Because Mac Brown finally saw the light. Because Mac Brown, kind of like Tom Herman, got a little Tom Herman. You know, Tom Herman's got a little Mac in him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when Mac grew as a coach. It, it, people forget that. You know, Mac was Mac was old school when he got here. Because Mac that was your tur- four for Mac, by the way. Yeah, Freshman Mac had already turned around North Carolina, so he had already turned around a program and come to Texas. It was year four for him, but he was still stuck in some of his old ways. You know, he didn't like. You know, said and said B and you know Ricky Williams too. Every big part of that. Remember, he didn't let us have like facial hair and like mm-hmm. earrings for a long time. He didn't like guys with braids and stuff early. It was just all these weird little idiosyncrasies as a coach. And said B not playing freshman was a big one. Like, oh, I don't want to depend on a freshman in a big moment. Said he was the best running back in the country, I yeah. believe, at the time. And he didn't want to play him in the Oklahoma game. And I think all everybody agreed at that time he, he would have made a difference in the Oklahoma game. Right. And he didn't want to play him. And finally, I think the, the tail ended up wagging the dog because that, 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 that was such an uproar from the fans after that. Like, why don't you play the most talented uh, running back that you have? And he played him. And, yeah, after that, I mean, I don't think he ever – I hit the ground running. I don't think he ever stopped. I mean, said to me from that point on was the the, 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 the leading rusher, no yeah. doubt, but also the game-changing presence on that offense. And that was a big time to, like, just change sort of the way college football was viewed because it was always sort of a reactive-type yeah. sport where you had to prove yourself somehow with no experience before you could go and get weird. that experience. Yeah. And it became sort of proactive. And Brett Benson was – I mean, at that time we saw freshmen playing in other schools, but it's still all – across the country weren't playing as much and it was like that tide went from 01 and I mean you talk about five years later Jamal Charles wasn't even thought about and he was like a feature back inside mm-hmm. the Texas championship team four years later the, yeah the 2001 season rod it, it was a, an emotional roller coaster for you guys because Cole this Pittman. past Saturday yeah 17 years to the day of uh, the Cole Pittman game yeah now, that was a game I was at and there's a uh you know that was a being in the stadium that day, I can't imagine what it was like being in the locker room, being a teammate of Cole Pittman's. It was emotional in the stands. It was. Got the got the 44 uh, on the scoreboard, which was crazy. That was emotional. Um, yeah, I remember, his, I remember his dad and mom being on the sideline before the game. So everybody's crying on the sidelines before the game. And I was like, oh, my God, man, I don't know. This is going to be really good or really bad. <laughs> it's going to be like, well, you know what? And I think Maryland, I mean, that's kind of, we can go back to that mm-hmm. Maryland game. You know, I think they were probably feeling something very similar. You know yeah. I mean? They had to play before the game. Well, not before the game. So, but as the game starts, where they go out there with 10 and Texas mm-hmm. observes it and they uh, deny the penalty and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think, yeah, man, that, that emotionally that emotionally charged environment like that, you're either going to come out there and you're going to kick ass or you're going to come out there and get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, yeah. we went out there and we kicked ass. <laughs> Corey Redding yeah, really got, I mean. Cor- yeah. got it started with that pick six and the saw the front flip yeah. in the yeah. winning zone. Yeah. yeah. The and power turn. They had two non-offensive <laughs> touchdowns in that game. I mean, it was like a party. In this yeah. set. It really was. It was literally like a memorial, but it was like a party, a send-off. For Cole Pittman, foot, it was like the football yes. funeral, if you will, for Cole Pittman. And as we as we transition uh, into talking about this Texas team and looking back at this Tulsa game, Rod, that the 2001 team made me realize how cool. And Miami was doing it before, but when I saw Texas do it, when I realized like the black socks, black shoes look, yeah, how that. cool that looked, how yeah. clean that looked. That was clean. Man. I'm really glad Tom Herman and Texas have brought that back because yeah. when it, when you're wearing when you're wearing the home burnt orange uniforms with the black socks and the black cleats. Uh, it's a very clean look. It does. I, it reminds I me like, of always, what you say, oh eight? Did oh eight do that? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, oh one was. I remember Earl Thomas somehow yeah. in it. I could I could see like Earl like oh. That's funny. Like it's just like out I, the sidelines with the black with the black cleats. Yeah. How every mind's different. I've never noticed in my entire life. And I, I, have, I do here. remember. I can see like no. I love the all whites on the, the road. Like, the I, yeah, and I want to say, man, I want to say we did both. 
Yes. I want to say we did both because I remember us all icy white with the white cleats and It wasn't and until the following year 02 when you guys went white shoes for home and Yeah, so I want to say, yeah, I we did know, both. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong either way, man. It's clean. It just shows way. you all the crap I've got. No, that's an encyclopedia right there, man. You look good. You no, but good. And then good Texas football you. Google. Because like I said, I was right? a senior in high school, <laughs> and I saw the black show, the black shoes, black socks looks. Yeah, I was like, I got to do that. And the offensive linemen were wearing ankle braces, and I wore ankle braces. I remember that. I got to go with the Mike Williams black ankle braces black cleats I remember the so. ankle brace thing too yeah. yeah I never wore ankle I never wore ankle braces I never got my ankle taped that was like that was another Mac Brown thing Mac Brown used to make everybody get the ankle taped I was like I'm not taping my ankles <laughs> So like I would have to like Old hide, yeah, and I like I hide the fact that I had my my ankles taped. He was like worried about it. It was weird. You don't want to weird. He was like worried about some of the weirdest things as a coach early on. Every you know coach I mean? has their little idiosyncrasies. It was just weird. Like I want everybody to get the ankles taped. But I mean, like, he learned how to play it, and that's how they it was, did. It was such a straight. I do remember that. I was like, what are you talking about? He, he came yeah, from that Bobby Bowden He didn't like that. Didn't want earrings. Didn't like a lot of facial hair. Didn't like it. And yeah, said B changed his mind about mm-hmm. the hair stuff before mm-hmm. that. He was like, uh, I don't like guys with dreadlocks and braids. Unless you're the number one running back in the country, then I'll allow Exactly. <laughs> everybody was like, well, coach, you going to let him do it, not us do it. He's like, all right, now everybody can do it. It's like, and it's oh, funny, yeah. though, because if you hear yeah. Mac talk about what what was the you know tipping point with like that 05 team, no, we just let Vince be Vince. We just let them go do what they did. And he finally let a lot of those well, things down. Well, he matures down. as a coach. And, but, was, like, yeah. to see that window of evolution in that four year, I mean, that's a career span of Benson from 01 mm-hmm. to he left that first Rose Bowl well, yeah, game. No, no, Texas had an effect on him. Guys like Kwame Cavill yep. early on, and they had an effect on right. him. But they – they, those guys had such big personalities. Aaron Humphrey, they had such big personalities. Mac, Mac was really tight, man. Some people say Tom Sign of a good coach. very tight. Being in Bring him back to Texas, he's very tight when he came to Texas because he's the magnitude of I think it just makes you tight, man. People don't remember. Yeah. Like Michelle Herman, when she was at U of A, she would go after everybody who talked about her man on Twitter. She'd <laughs> go after everybody who yep. talked bad on him. And she came here, and she's crickets. And I think a lot of it is, I think she at first she was like, I'm coming out. And then she was like, no, I, it's too many. It's too many. Like, it's too many. Me. It's too much. It's too there's so many Tillman people that have Tartita. so many opinions, and they don't give a damn. Like they'll put their names on it. Like Texas is a different animal altogether, and I think it does make you a little tight. Mac had Mac was loosened up by his players. We had to come in there, and we told Matt we wanted our uh, our, our team motto to be a fit, and he was like, "What is that?" And it was like, "F it." And we said the word, and he was like, I don't like that. And we're like, that's what we want. He's like, I don't like that. And we're like, well, that's what we want. Let me find an acronym, wants, coach. That's that your the team, job. The team wants, that's our, because I think it was after we got we got beaten by Oklahoma and we got blown. I was like, nah, after that, you know what? F it, man. Everything. It's all about, it was, it was kind that's of our awesome. mentality. And yeah. Mac didn't like it. I think he changed the wit, whatever it takes. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was exactly. But They're close. But it, 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 it was a process, though, of loosening Mac up, and then you get to VY, and ultimately he's jamming 50. 50 Cent yeah. in the locker room with VY, and they're dancing, jamming hip-hop before. The, and that ultimately, that's when Mac Brown was at his best. Let's that's fast Mac, forward to Tom Herman relaxed. to that point. And I think for Tom Herman, you know, he doesn't – where's the leadership on his team to relax Tom Herman? And Sam is part of that because Sam, I think, he makes him looser. I mean, that's why he was dancing on the sideline of the Texas Bowl. You know what I mean? And nobody agrees with that. But, you know, if he, if we, when you beat Oklahoma and you beat Alabama, dance on the sideline, right. Tom. I will go out there and dance. We'll all dance with you. Right? Oh, yeah, we will. Um, so I, but I think Tom – is a little. I'm talking Tom. Tom, I like Coach, that. Coach Charlie, <laughs> Matt, Tom. Tom. He's a little tight. Charlie. Tight. That's why his teams play tight. I, the, I agree the, the, with that. The leaders got to loosen them up. Yeah. The leaders are the ones that go up to me and go, "Hey man, you good?" When Vy comes to me and say what, on the sideline and say, "Coach, we gonna win the game. We good in the Rose Bowl. We good. I got this." When Max like, showed up, and, and Max yeah. like, "All right, hell, I think so we got this." When, like you need yeah. some of that. And those so, first few w- Mac teams played tight. When we look at this, play Tulsa, tight in big games, Chris yeah. Sims. When we look at this Tulsa game, Oklahoma, guys, this looked like I it was dropping picks. From the top. We, this looked like it was gonna be one of those old school games, Rod. Like when you were on the forty, that it's a non conference opponent. You're up by three touchdowns at halftime. You're probably just going to roll, win this by 35, 40 yeah. points, and, and call it a day. I thought that. And then, and then the, time I did. Then, I left that halftime. Then the third quarter <laughs> happened. So, But before we get to the negative, were covering. I want to look at some of the positives. And there were positives, oh, Rod. Yes, and, a ton, actually. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just a strange game. Like, when you start, when you break down, like, the differences between the two teams and you start looking at what Texas actually did in this game, um... I've got it right here. You win the edge in total offense by 125 yards. You outrush Tulsa, which the one thing Tulsa does really well is they run the football. They were four, as bad as they were last year. They were still 14th in the country mm-hmm. running the ball. Uh, Texas outrushed Tulsa 241 to 189. The offense averages six and a half yards a play. 
Uh, offense didn't allow a sack. Mm-hmm. You're plus one in the turnover margin. Yeah. That's a game you should win by a couple touchdowns at least. And I've got to tell you, offensively, other than the third quarter, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. everything that I asked them to do that we talked about they should do, they should try to, you know, recreate the things that they've done successfully, that that's documented, that have worked for them, mm-hmm. they did. They, the went, part, yeah. they went up tempo. They The quarterback run game, even though, curiously, Tom Harmon says there was no design QB run plays in the first half. It's like, there should have been. Like, you yeah. know, what do you mean? Don't be admitting that. There should be more design yeah. run plays. But the, I, I think the quarterback actually ended up checking to some run plays. And I think Sam Sam's taking this is, this is something that could help out Tim Beck and save Tim Beck's arse, okay? Sam's taking ownership of the offense. Yeah. He's starting to get to the point where he's got the effort. He's got, you know, because mm-hmm. ma- remember, I remember Major changing plays. You know what I mean? I remember Major getting well to the Major would change plays yeah. like, uh, Greg Davis, what you call? Oh, hell no, that ain't good. All right, anyway, guys, we're going to call this. Uh, Confidence. I got this. You know what I mean? Like, I, but you know what? There's, there are tons of stories about Mike Leach yelling, cussing out his quarterbacks, and they all have different stories about it because they didn't change a play. <laughs> and it's so like, you didn't see They were like, well, Coach, you called. He's like, well, what? Did you see what you see? He's like, well, I saw that safety. Why just the hell machine? would you keep staying the same play? Yeah. You know what I mean? Take ownership of the offense. You're out there running the offense. I'm just over here calling the plays. And at one point, I think you want your quarterback to do that. You want your quarterback to go, you know what? I got this. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had that offense. like, no, I got this. I'm good. <laughs> this is my offense. Which, again, is, is another reason why. And you, that's why. So we, we saw some of that from Sam, is my point. He what, checked. Even saw Tom right. Herman. He checked to a lot of plays in that game. When you heard Tom Herman talk about the quarterback competition going back to the spring, the one thing that was a knock on Shane Bouchelle, and to me is the biggest knock, is to take ownership of the offense. I think that's yeah. what Tom Herman kept coming back to yeah. as to why Shane Bouchelle. Shane Bouchelle, look. Sam Ellinger's not what's not that, that's not what's wrong with this offense, in no. my opinion. No, no, no. I don't think a quarterback change is no. suddenly going to make Texas light it up and score fifty a game. Agreed. So every, everybody that's shouting for a quarterback change, you might call me an idiot. I just don't believe that Shane Bouchelle's automatically going to fix this offense. But the coach is well, right. Well, they've clearly they've clearly made a decision that they feel Sam Ellinger gives them a much better chance to win games at a higher level than Shane Bouchelle. They're going to ride a die with Sam. And I think that's a big part of it, just taking ownership in the offense and being that presence. And giving him that confidence allows him to take ownership of it, saying, no, no, Sam, ain't no quarterback competition. You're the guy. Yeah. So, So when you do that, he goes, okay, you know what? I'm checking to this late play. pick against I'm the guy. Maryland. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, insecure about something pulling me for me making a mistake. No, it's my team. It's my offense. My job. So I think you may be seeing, and I know it's against Tulsa. You may be seeing a little transformation. We love when the quarterbacks take on at the point where Cole McCoy is in late in 2008, 2009. That's his offense. Yeah. He's running that show. Period. A lot different than 07. You know what I mean? 06, exactly. light years. So you want them to take ownership. I think you may. I saw a lot of him checking late in that game in the fourth quarter. A lot of Sam saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Sort of feels it, like that 07 ish type yeah, season so for a career, that, for a player. That could and save a coach. Tim Beck's play calling right go, there. You, we talk about what Sam Ellinger does well, Roddy, when he's got the ball in his hands and he can make plays. His legs. If you go to that 13 play drive, yep. the two biggest plays on the drive, third and three from the Texas 45, Sam Ellinger rushed for six yards. It's Boom. a first down. Third and seven from the Tulsa 26, Sam Ellinger 14 yard run. It's a first down of the 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty obvious that him, that him as a. Uh, and he was a seven for threat. seven on that drive. By yeah, the way. he was seven for seven. Because I think that opens up other things. Once he becomes a running threat, you have to acknowledge it. You have to. Uh, allocate resources defensively. Simple to, numbers games. Yeah, we talk about all the time. Like, no, yep. I can't let this guy just kill us with that. So once you allocate resources, oh, you know what? Opens up passing lanes. It's just, it really is not that to me. It's not that complicated. So you when you combine that the quarterback run game on him taking ownership of the offense and another thing too, and we talked about this earlier, they're passing to open up the run, but it's subtle. You go watch a lot of their drives. They're opening up passing. Now it's an extension of the running game. They're really quick. They're within five yards of line scrimmage. They're quick. Fastings, but remember I talked about that K State game and that being their best offensive game last year. They had 32 first downs, most first downs they've had in any game last year. Uh, they scored more than 30 points without a non-offensive touchdown. The only time that happened last was that year, 300-100 for Sam. Uh, that was just 300-100 game K-State, right there. Yeah. That was also the only game they won um, despite losing the turnover margin or not winning the turnover margin, which is also bizarre. Uh, world. I think bizarre it was, I think it was one-one. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. So my point being. The offense, rare, which is rare, they won that game. The off, that's what Bears game. And I think some of the 
concepts, or at least some of the things that work successfully in the game with them passing to open up the run as an, kind of an extension of the running game. They did in the Maryland game, not as successfully, because remember they opened up passing the ball in the Maryland mm-hmm. game. Right. And a lot of those drives, and the same thing, go back and look at that Tulsa game. They opened up a lot of the drives. Even that 13-play drive, I believe the five of the first seven plays are pass plays. They're yeah. opening up. They, so I, I think they understand now, we got to get the ball to these wide receivers. Yep. The run, and now the running six backs the first will come. Six of the first, thank you very much. The running backs will complement that. That's what they're doing. Now Trey Watson, those holes are opening up for him. He's getting, you know, he's getting some, not chunk yardage, but he's getting sizable gains, right? And, and so is Keontae Ingram. But those guys have burst. That's the key. I like your guy Daniel Young, too. I think they got to start adding him to the mix after what he did, too. But I like that trio. That's a nice trio. You were able to run the ball successfully versus Tulsa, in my opinion. Yeah. When, you know what I mean? And control the ball that time. And that's what I, I liked that 13 that y'all bring up that drive because if you look at this team and everything we're talking about, like this was a great example of why we get frustrated with the team, but you see the glimpses, but it's still us talking about the same thing about yep. consistency and yes. being consistent throughout the game because the first two halves our first two quarters I mean Sam wasn't running because this is Tulsa we aren't we're gonna score however we're gonna showcase our skill guys you know we're up 21-0 it's good and then it's like fit hits the shan at the end of that quarter because you have a hold by Anderson you have that second play was uh or the second drive was the Ellinger fumble where he just sort of made a mistake not seeing a guy the third drive you had it was a three and out but even if you had gained yards it would have been negated by a a brewer hold penalty so you had Mm. penalties you were ineffective you you had a fumble, those type of things, and it was at least good to see after that a response with the game on the line. Yeah. Now it's a one-game score, and you go down, and you are actually running. You finally see Sam running the football, and you see us put it in the end zone whenever you need a score, and that's at least a good response. It took like a, oh, my God, like well, could we possibly like lose, lose it? Game, yeah. and, that, and it's good, but it also is this team we're in. I mean, it's weird to look at Ellinger right now because we talk about him being a young quarterback and experiencing growth. Now finally Texas is going to be facing a team with a younger quarterback with even least experience so the more and more we play with Ellinger the more and more you may see this growth it's just that the windows are going to close on him if you don't see that this year it's just that you don't want to decide a guy's fate off of a few non-conference games there's still a long way to go and if they can show that consistency then Texas can be good because if they're just not I mean if you're just consistent and aren't bad in those four drives and don't let Tulsa get back in the ball game then you still blow it out and you don't notice these things as much but when they're glaringly bad then they're glaringly bad then at the same time your defense has one guy blow a couple coverages boom boom touchdown and it can get real bad real quick. Do we know the play calling, uh, like distribution or allocation no. in the game? We, we don't know. We're, we're not. Do we know? know it? Uh, no, so no. nobody even cares anymore. Is it one of those things? We don't no, care? just we. Is it like we're, we're no? We're not. We're, we're never, we're never going to get a straight answer. <laughs> well, and Tom Herman know, says it's like, his I offense. I want to know and... the first half. Did Tom Herman like call plays and then decide? All right, Tim Bay, you can take it over. Like that's important. Nobody these asked things, them. These we should ask them. You know what I mean? Like they, it's so weird. Or if Tim Beck was calling the plays the whole time, Tim Beck had a meltdown after Tulsa made their adjustments at halftime. And if Sam Ellinger decided, you know what, to hell with this. In the fourth quarter, I'm going to start checking my own damn stuff that I like. You know what I mean? Like, I need to know these things. And no, I know. To, otherwise, I'm coming up with my narrative, what I think best suits it. And it looks like that there's always a change and a shift in play calling, and there's energy and juice injected into the offense, right? We saw it in the Maryland game. And I'm going to assume that's when Tom Herman takes over. Yeah. So, so, so Until you like, know otherwise. When Tom Herman's calling the plays, and they look damn good. When Tim Best's calling the plays, they look like bloody hell. Just from watching the game on TV so I'm, I'm, and seeing I, like, the it, communication, it, though, it because looks Herman, like Tom Herman started off calling the play. Well, and it looks like he's communicating throughout because you see him talking and covering his mouth at times, but it seems as if Beck's calling plays with his maybe feedback the throughout. First, maybe the first scripted play, the first 15, were just that damn good. And then when Tim Beck took over after <laughs> the 15 were done, <laughs> then it, was, it all went to hell. And I think after those, 15 or 16 were done, it probably got to the point where it was closer to the the, the second half. Yeah. And you know what I mean? so let's get to the third quarter, Rod, and let's start with the offense. Uh, 48 yards on 12 plays, a turnover, 0 for 2 on third down. Defense gives up a touchdown. That's my issue with this offense is you're not explosive enough 30s. to be able to manage these lulls against top-notch competition, in other words. Yeah. And, and we've seen enough of this through 15 games of Tom Herman that Look, we know the lull offensively is going to come. We know they're going to have three or four drives in a row where it's going to be three and outs and it's going to be bad. 
we just don't know when it's going to happen. Is it going to be at the beginning well, I of the hope game? We don't always have that. Is it going to be in the middle? Yeah. It, no, I mean, but look at it. Go. Well, I know. Go. I'm saying it. That's the inconsistency we've shown. But if you're saying that that's all Texas is going to be, then Texas is screwed, and they're going to have a losing record. If they improve upon that, then you can start to be well, consistent. What Madison is, don't be that bad. Yeah. You can have drives where you don't score, of course. Yeah. Right. But three and out, Glaring. four and out, five and out, fumble with the shank. That's an <laughs> issue with yeah. the in one in one it's, quarter. That being all of your drives. Yeah. That's why your opponent is able to catch up and then the defense having the fourth quarter meltdown on top of that you can manage that, that you that can manage against Tulsa to have a lull and yes, still be yes. able to come out on top any team in the Big 12 you're screwed but like mm-hmm. we saw last except year except Kansas like, yes. like we saw last year you well, have one of those lulls you have one of those. You have one of those lows against Oklahoma. You're down twenty to nothing. You're done. Mm-hmm. You're done, son. Just yeah. like Maryland. Well, you know I mean, we are down. I throw that. I throw about four or five teams in the Big Twelve. But I, you have well, but I'm just saying. But go yeah. last year's Oklahoma yeah, yeah, game. You clear when you start slow, yeah, you're down twenty to nothing, and then you're expending all of your yeah. energy trying to climb out of the hole. It happened well, in Maryland back to back season openers. Tom Harmon is twenty three and four as a head coach when he scores first. He's got to start fast regardless. He doesn't start fast. He, I think he's twenty. What, what's the number? He's twenty. Uh, he's 18 and one when he's leading after the first quarter. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it, there's no doubt. If Tom Herman gets a lead early. His teams, because I think it's kind of his coaching style, they seem to thrive. I think it helps Todd Orlando's defense yeah. too, and that's why. And they've been paired up. Rod, I just want to look at Tulsa's Tulsa's offensive production in the fourth quarter. Like you said, oh that's man, when it got bad. it's crazy, uh, dude. Two touchdowns, 136 total yards. Uh, and what they finished three sixty eight for the game, I think. So it's yeah. one hundred thirty six in the fourth quarter. Luke Skipper just goes off. I love uh, that name, by the way. Yeah. Luke Skipper was uh, <laughs> Friday Night Lights East quarterback Texas. or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he is from Texas, though. Yeah, yeah, he's a Texas quarterback. He, and, and Luke, Sk- Luke yeah, Skipper only uh, he had four completions and had one hundred and four passing yards in, in, in the fourth quarter. Right, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. He was like four or five, and he had like a twenty one yard scramble. Um, that I think kept a drive Tulsa, alive. Tulsa averaged thirteen point six yards a play, play in the fourth quarter. in the fourth quarter, and, and it was averaging like four something yards per play in the previous three. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the 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 listen. Texas had a melt. Texas defense had a meltdown in that yeah. fourth quarter. Let's just call it what it is. And out and out. Let's just say it right now. And we've talked about it before. We've talked about the second year collapses of Vance Bedford's defense and of Manny Diaz's defense in their second year. Both of those guys. Quality defensive coordinators, by the way, so nothing against them. Uh, look at what Manny Diaz is doing now. But the truth is, it was because they lost so much quality, all conference, all in, uh, NFL caliber talent. And Todd Orlando may have lost as much, if not more, than either one of those guys lost. You're just not going to be the same defense. Let me this defense this. is not going to be the same defense. Can we admit that now? We've been, I mean, I've been hitting at this for a while. I didn't want to be negative. It ain't going to be the same defense. Now, I'm not saying it's going to fall off a cliff yeah. like Vance's or Manny's, but it ain't going to be even close to the same, dog. Let me it, ain't, you, it ain't close. Let me ask you this, Rod. The, hell, the, the jet sweep alone. Right, with the, with, <laughs> yeah. which that was one of Tulsa's biggest and plays. And what did I say last week? What did I tell you? Every team Texas plays from this point forward will put in a jet sweep. And, and they Texas will run it four to five times. I said it last week. Call me Blastradamus. And you're going to see it again this week. You're going to see every team and every playbook has a jet sweep, man. You have Hell, to. Kansas City Chiefs are running it right now scoring touchdowns. So are the L.A. Rams. <laughs> Everybody's got a jet sweep. And Todd Orlando can't stop it. I'll give you a stat right now. Texas giving up 21 explosive plays, right? 40% of those plays, 38% of them, have come off the jet sweep. <laughs> I saw the. I, I watched the. Uh, I watched second. the. I watched the Rams Raiders game on Monday night and saw the Everybody's Rams. They ran it, like man. three times on the same drive. Everybody's oh, no. running it. Some NFL well, teams are running more than two thirds of jet sweep action on plays. Does, Sorry, does man, Clay Helton? Yeah. You have to do it. Yeah. Does Clay Helton just walk into the offensive meeting this week, write jet sweep on the board, and just walk out? I want. I want. <laughs> if, if I'm him, I say I want jet sweep in five different formations. I Just tell my coach, jet I want it. sweep, make it happen. Make it happen. Drop some I want it out of five out. different formations. Okay, all right. I want it out of a pro for. I want it out of spread. I want it out of everything. Because Texas, right now, you can't deny. Dude, we have the sample size. For some reason, the jet sweep, the it, like the Texas deep, it's like their Achilles yeah. heel. They Let me ask you. They don't this, have the right? lateral speed to really keep up with it, and that funk gives them issues. I want. I want to know how much of a factor yeah. this is because I've heard this is one of the criticisms right now. Not a criticism, but just something that why the defense isn't clicking. That the secondary is playing so many young guys that Todd Orlando doesn't have the freedom to blitz as much as he otherwise would like to. How much do you think that's playing into this, or is that just is that merely well, masking a greater issue? Well, well, there you go. I think you might hit it on the head later. Then, well, I thought we had this D line, and I well, you know what? I'm gonna 
call myself out here because I've been bragging that we are these natural pass rushers on the D-line. Charles Menehu, Brecken Hager, Malcolm Roach, guys who can naturally get into the backfield who are on that front seven there. No sacks from those guys for the first no, two games. No, Chris Boyd's got the only sack this year, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I was wrong. And I think now we got to come to the realization that we cannot get pressure with just the front three or the front four or whatever you want to do. Not. Like the right? best, you're the... gonna have to manufacture pressure like you did last year, and you don't really even have the guys that you had last year to do that. Am I <laughs> am I wrong when I say through the first two games your two best pass rushers have been Gary Johnson and B.J. Foster? Well, no, you are not wrong about that. B.J. Foster, yeah, like kind of a B.J. Foster, for that, that Joker role, and Gary yeah. Johnson when he can play the rover yeah. and he can free wheel a little yeah. bit, and he's got the speed too. Yeah, he, and that's a why. That's another reason why that jet sweep gets us. Our linebackers, other than Gary Johnson, they got no lateral speed, man. They don't get sideline to sideline like Malik. You get and, them guys going both ways, and you get some misdirection going, and they take one false step or they hesitate. They don't have it. They don't. They can't pursue and scrape. And, they can't do it. You can see it, and that's why they keep going. Because I love Anthony Wood. They're great. And I love, um, you know, Malcolm Roach. And Jeffrey McCulloch's the same way. But those guys are so big. What would you say about Gary Johnson? He's the perfect Todd Orlando linebacker and the perfect Big 12 linebacker. I remember you saying that. Because he can run. Because right, he can go sideline to sideline. Those other guys, they can't do it. So what do you do to linebackers that can't run? Try to get them going. Try to get him going east, one one direction and then try to make him change Gary direction. Johnson's yeah. the guy. He's, he's the guy Gary Patterson's been kicking everybody's ass with for the last you know, yeah, ten years. And uh, yeah. side note so with Gary Johnson, in the Big Twelve. I'm telling you, man, that's people are gonna break out the jet sweep until we stop it. <laughs> Just like Kenneth it. Kenneth Murray at Oklahoma, it's another yeah. perfect example. Okay, oh, he's undersized against Georgia. So worry about that when you get in the playoff. Yeah, he's perfect for the Big Twelve. Yeah, and Gary Johnson also has that little bit of that killer brew in him. I love watching him play because he just plays yes. a little bit of a reckless abandon he's that he's on missile. edge that yeah. he may actually get into the mindset of an opposing player from time You go to into time. the third yeah. quarter, Gary. He's fun to watch. Yeah, Gary, Johnson, <laughs> Gary Johnson had a goal line stand by himself. Yes. I remember that. You got a little fire. I remember that. He had a, one of the best hit when he dropped Shamari Brooks right around the line of scrimmage. And then it was a one-yard gain, and then he forces a, an incomplete pass. Yeah. And then and he Luke runs Skipper. loose Skipper out of bounds on yeah, fourth and goal. I remember that. And that's, honestly, I have to forget about that with Tulsa. They actually had another – that's another chance they had to score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our and defense was actually really good, though. In short-yarded situations, I'm not worried about our defense. Pass rush in the Big 12, that's something even more worrisome. Agreed. Here's what I think also is hurting the defense right now, Rod. The, the big component of it, again, and I'll, we talked about it last week, we talked about it this week, you no longer have the ability to flip the field. And you no longer have that field position component that you could bank on. Everybody had to go 80, 80 plus yards against you. That was, that was almost a guarantee to say we had to go and 80 how many plus short, yards against you. This defense was, it seemed like they were on short field almost the entire night. Yeah. Especially shanked, in the second half. Had a shanked, another shanked punt. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, he's just a young punter. But mm. all those little advantages you had last year, they were, they were little small advantages here and there. You don't really have those advantages anymore. And if I've noticed the Todd Orlando modus operandi that I was bragging about last year that was so effective – he hasn't been able to execute it because he stopped the run against Tulsa. He did stop the run. But the, the, the quarterback's ability to, to, to escape and keep plays alive, it negates your, you, know, the, the, you being able to pressure the quarterback successfully. And he hasn't been able right. to do that like with the D-line or even with blitzing necessarily. Um, so you haven't been able to force as many turnovers. I will say Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster. Uh, they just, I mean, those guys just playmakers and came up. I don't know if he was under pressure when he threw those passes. Yeah. He was on the move with one of them, and then the other one he just tried to go deep. Why does it seem like, going back to the playing tight thing, and you, look, you can buy into whatever you want yeah, from those two guys don't on play that. Tight. Why does it seem like the freshmen are the loosest guys on the field? Good point. <clears throat> Foster, Great Stearns, Keontae Ingram. Because they're confident. Like, when you're confident, you don't have those maybe things. Maybe issues. Bliss? Those, I, don't I don't know, but they haven't flinched yet. Maybe, well, yeah, that, maybe that 2018 <clears throat> class is as good as advertised. As exactly. Even like you see, you see just like Deshaun Jameson's yeah. presence on punt returns yeah. and kickoff returns. It's like, dude looks like a veteran. That's yeah. good. No, I agree with you. Like, That's I just, why I think Anthony Cook needs to play more instead of Kobe Boyson. I know they love Kobe Boyce, but... I, I don't know. Like, I want to get your take on this. They're going to target Kobe Boyce what, forever what do you do? What do you do at the nickel position? Because I, I spent oh, some time yeah. with P.J. Locke after the game. Yeah. He said something really interesting to me. He said he he talked about the difference between nickel and safety. He said, when I'm playing nickel, he said, everything happens real fast at nickel. Yeah. He said, when I'm back at safety, I see the whole field, everything mm. moves a little, uh, it's half second slower, which, again, is why I think safety might be his best position. Yeah. What do you do at nickel, Rod? Do you go back to P.J. Locke or do you, Josh Thompson, who until the fourth quarter when he gave up a deep ball. He's playing well. Played well. Yeah. 
do you continue if you're Todd Orlando and Craig Niver? Do you continue to roll with Josh Thompson and Nickel, or do you put um, PJ Locke? Yeah, there? I mean, I, I kind of like Josh Thompson and Nickel. I like how athletic he is, and he's got a grown man body all yeah, of a sudden he, too. I was wondering um, if it was the same person. Right? Exactly. I literally am not like, lying. I was like, yeah, God. no, he looks like. You know, I agree. He looks. He looks definitely looks the part. I would say he's one of those guys where you got to give him another chance at it, just because right now you're kind of short on bodies. Uh, but I, you know, PJ Locke is totally right. The Nickel is a special position. We've talked about on this show how. You can look at the lineage of the nickel position since, you know, at least since Coach Akina uh, came to the 48. Because usually, man, it's a guy with high football IQ who ends up becoming an NFL player. Have Duke Thomas Diggs, played it. Um, just signed and, a three-year, $24 million deal and had a pick six on Monday Night Football. Exactly. First play um, of the game. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, like everybody who who's played it, even if they don't get drafted, they seem to at least have a shot at the NFL. Hell, Antoine Davis even got some love from the league. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just a position. That was based on, like, a handful of games? Yeah, it's one of those positions where you if a guy has good natural, good football instincts and he's a great athlete, then he can thrive there. But he, he otherwise, you can exploit them there, and you can easily identify those those characteristics and that skill set at nickel. If a guy is is, ba- is is not athletic and not smart at nickel, they get exposed so easily and so quickly and that you and it's I glaring. The you know ma- I mean? ma- like if you just look at the numbers of that over the summer, when we were like, okay, well, it makes sense if you're closest to the football, means that you, yeah, you have the, the quickest mental reaction yeah. time. That you are going to be quicker exponentially. The further away you go, the slower you're going to be. So it's magnified when you're playing that one passing position that's closest to no the quarterback. So if you can mentally and, diagnose it, that's something well, that the quarterbacks can't see. And now teams are putting in the Big 12, and now in the NFL they're doing more of it now too, Matt. You probably know more about it just from fantasy. They're putting now – there's no slot receivers anymore. Only the Patriots really have like a <laughs> slot guy. The Everybody, old slot. The old like – the, 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 the little slot. small white guy. That yeah, can Larry Fitzgerald's your you know slot. I mean? And Cole Beasley's is kind of the, the slot guy. But usually now you just put Julio Jones in the slot. You're like – Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, you just put your best player. Put Antonio Brown in the slot. And like, oh, holy hell. Now this guy's a two-way go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. talk about a nightmare. At least I had the sideline to help me out before. Eighty-plus percent inside the slot inside the, the slot. last two years. Exactly. Whenever, yeah. So, in the Big 12, his career. Yeah, the Big 12's been doing that for years. You know what I mean? So, that also in the Big 12, <laughs> why you need a guy it. who's an athlete there. I mean, I remember when Ken- Kenny Vaccaro literally got drafted off that game when he covered Tavon Austin. Like, mm-hmm. that, like it was like, all right, that's, that's all we need to see. If that guy can cover Tavon Austin and he's a safety, then we want him. And usually, that's another thing, too, the versatility at, at nickel. Usually that guy can play another position, too. Right. That's usually been the case. He plays safety or he can play corner or something like that. So I agree with you on that. I think P.J. Locke, he, you know, I love the athleticism, but I don't know if Josh Thompson has the football instincts. I think he's got the athleticism and the build. I don't know if he's got the instincts. That's what we'll have to see. Do you, so do you let him, but do you let him yeah, keep I let getting him that bats there? Yeah, you have to right now because if you – well, depending on the injury position, I mean, you got Brandon Jones back then. Yeah, you move him back down. You move P.J. Locke back down there. No question. Uh, and we'll see on the injury front. We probably won't know until closer to game time on some of those guys. Yeah. Uh, we know Keontae Ingram's doubtful. Uh, Brandon Jones, Zach Shackelford, Chris Boyd woke yeah. up with some neck stiffness on Sunday. Uh, Devontae Sports Davis, all those guys are supposed to practice later in the week. So uh, Tom Herman's press conference later in the week, uh, we'll figure out. And, and, again, some of those guys probably, you know, Get him on the field early for pregame. See yeah, how everything goes. Hurt, man. Yeah, so let's talk that, about that, that you know, as we go forward to USC and US, hurt, You know, much like last year, USC the week before they play Texas. Rod, anytime you play Stanford, it's like going through a meat grinder. You're just mm-hmm. going to be beat to hell. And Stanford, they got beat up pretty good, seventeen to three. Uh, a physical football game. JT Daniels has a hand injury. He's going to be evaluated throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, to me. That's probably the biggest reason why Texas opens up as a favorite in this game. Now, we all know being at home, you get you know that natural three-point advantage. So Texas, and USC right is now, struggling it's off a three, awesome It's too. a three-point line right now, correct, Matt? Yeah. Yep, and then with the news, oddly, you know, it's went down because Texas a week and a half ago was a five-point favorite. So you would think that this news would be impacted. I think but the Tulsa just, game had something to do with that too. Well, no, but just okay. looking at the way that it, it, in football, very rarely does a player ever move a line. A quarterback yeah. like Aaron Rodgers can move a Both few lines, points. Yeah. Gronkowski moves a point and a half. College players don't move lines unless you're a super, you know, yeah. bad. Johnny Manziel or Cam Newton or somebody like that. But yeah. you go back to this USC quarterback competition, guys, and it, it wasn't even close with JT Daniels and Matt, Matt no, Fink and Jackson. They named him. They named him the starting quarterback, like. After one of the scrimmages. Yeah, it really, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it was like still get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, done. It's it, it was done. Yeah, and we heard that from the media though. The local media, they were saying all, no, because they allowed at practice, and they were saying no, it's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you start looking at this USC depth chart, and uh, Tom Herman said it perfectly in his Monday press conference. Hey, look, it's it's USC. They've they've got talent. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have talent. Yeah, blue blood, yeah. Uh, what Rod? I want to start by looking. Let's start with the 
Texas. What, which side of your ball you want to take first, Rod, as we take a quick look at Texas? Well, and I say I start with where I think Texas has, in my opinion, kind of a natural advantage, and I would say the Texas defense versus the USC offense, which has been struggling. And yeah. not, not only because JT Daniels has the injury now, I think he only had one passing touchdown in the first two games. Their wide receivers, like, look, We'll get a good look at this kid, Amonra St. Brown, who I saw in the Army game oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Good Lord, this kid's going to be No, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's the, the one whose dad is a, he's like an, he's like a Mr. Universe. John St. Brown, yeah. Former Mr. Universe. And then brother, his brother was brother, on brother, Notre Dame. Equinemius St. Brown. That no, that whole damn family is freak athletes. Freak, yes. Yeah, no we'll get a good look at Amonra St. Brown, and no, good yeah. Lord, this kid is a specimen. But other yeah. than that, Rod, their wide receivers like, <clears throat> excuse me, Tyler Vaughns and Velas Jones, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman. Michael they just Pittman? See they got a Michael Pittman? It's, it's, it's him. He, it's no, a 6 four wide receiver. Really? He was a freshman last year. I remember blowing my mind a year ago this week when I figured it out. I, I had to Google it, and I was hearing Chris Sims tell Michael Pittman stories. Wow. Yeah. They just seem like. Just guys, like they don't seem like game breakers. Are you they they're just jags? It doesn't seem like they get great separation. Like, and I'll go back to last year, man. I was at the Coliseum on the field for warmups, and like USC ranked fourth in the country. I'm like, okay, I'm expecting to see some dudes. And I was like, wow, man. If you look at USC physically against Texas, oh yeah, Texas, Texas is the better looking yeah. guys. I was surprised. Actually, Texas. I was surprised Texas matched the physicality yeah. against USC. Actually, you could argue Texas was the more physical team. No question. USC, USC. I think rushed for like seventy-one yards yeah. on thirty-five carries. Yeah. No, I, I remember Texas being surprised the big goal about line that stand. too. And yeah, no doubt. So, uh, Rod, this this could be a game, and I think this off this USC offense, it's a you know a more pro style offense. I think this is the game where the Texas defense, if they're going to get it turned around, it's going to be in this game because this is the type of def- uh, offense that a Todd Orlando defense can tee off on. When there's no hit of misdirection, there's no funk in their offense, it's just no dual here, quarterback. Here it is, stop it. I think they can get after him and get after him pretty well. So yeah. if if we're going to see this Texas defense do something this year, this is the game where we start to see the trend upward. You're going up against a true freshman quarterback who's dealing with an injury, as you pointed out. Tyler, you go look at the offenses that have been able to score 30 or more points versus Texas. It ain't the, the, ain't the NFL prospects. It ain't yeah. the Baker Mayfields and the Sam Darnolds and the Mason Rudolphs and the real Grills of the world. It's actually the, the Alex Tyrell Pigram. Yeah, yeah. And Ty- Tyrell Pigram. The guys that Hill. can run. And, yeah, I mean, Jesse Ertz, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you got to worry about because the, the unpredictability. Hell, even hell, Tulsa, even with Luke Skipper. That's what you got to mm-hmm. worry about. So, against the – I'm with you. I'm actually – it's kind of weird. I'm quasi very confident – Again, yeah, with this Tyler Lando scheme going up against this quarterback, a freshman could be talking out of my backside at home. Just, yeah. yeah, and as you pointed out, who is you know that you got to have you know, and this is why Texas is. And we'll get into the offensive side. Why Texas may end up being in quite a predicament too if Keontae Ingram is end up hurting. I wish I could knock on some wood there, but they don't really have a lot of guys that are game changers. They got a lot this of guys that, very that move the chains, but not a lot of guys that change the game that scare me. They go, man, they got we got Tyler Lando needs to make sure he's watching that guy on every play. They don't really have like that if guy. I'm Devontae Davis, you know what I mean. I want to play in this game because I think this is a game where Tyler Lando says, "Look, we're going to be a man." 90% of the time. Yeah, I'm not scared of these guys. No. Yeah. We don't need to play zone. Exactly. And that I might be- I might play a cover one. I might play base cover one, just man across the board and just one high safety. That's it. Um, I think you'll see – only reason, and I agree with you, I think the only reason you'll see them mix it up and not saying they still won't go man is because they're going up against a freshman quarterback and he wants to throw some funky looks at them. Oh, and he'll – uh, we don't talk to Orlando's going to throw yeah, some yeah, zone yeah. blitzes so in there. Yeah, that's he'll, his, exactly. That's his yeah, forte. yeah. So yeah. he'll throw some stuff in there just because he wants to get funky, but I agree with you for the most part. He wants to – he's going to try to pressure the hell out of them. And, hey, man, I think my guys on the back end can stand up against your guys. And if I'm USC, you know, you got to, you know, you got to test those young safeties. I mean, I, and I, K-Surge is great. Yeah, and I, I, I was actually um, pleasantly surprised that Tulsa went after him. Because I expect teams to – you're a freshman. I'm coming – the Big 12 is going to come after Caden Stearns. Oh, no question. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a, I don't no give it – I'm going to put together a, a, a route concept that's just going to put – I'm going to put him in a position where he's got to make a decision. The yeah. mind, the offensive minds in this league are too good. Exactly. So we'll learn so a I, lot about USC's yeah, mind. And I, I don't even – I got to look at the, the – you know – I gotta go look at the extra play concept, but I'm I'm not surprised Tulsa tested him early and he made him pay. He's gonna have to do that, I think, all year long. I think USC, because Clay Helton is a good offensive mind, I think he's coming after that freshman. And I think if you see, you know, Josh Thompson or Kobe Boyce out there, I think they're gonna go game plan. They're gonna like, nah, we got why are we throwing Chris Boyd? That don't make no sense. 
Yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. After, let's go after the guys who are are the weak links who are not as accredited uh, as those guys. Because you know what I mean, we yeah. flip it over, look at the Texas offense. That's what USC did last year. I mean, Jack Jones and Iman Marshall, even though they were both highly recruited guys, they weren't like great corners. But Clancy Pendergrass said, "Look." If if Colin Johnson beats you for a deep ball down the field, then so what? Then he was it. just good on that play. Yeah. But we don't think these guys are going to beat us consistently. We'll just stay in man most of the time. Exactly right. We don't think this freshman quarterback is going to be able to get it done. So you know what? Yeah. You know if the freshman can do it. Yeah. What? Go. All, all uh, good. Good for him then. Good luck yeah. to him. And we'll learn a lot about just uh, but USC. Yeah, freshman was able to do it a lot of the time too. But they don't have a Colin Johnson. I don't think. No, well, their receivers. The Monroe St. Browns. He is. He's a young version, maybe. But like, if Michael Pittman Jr. was last year's like almost 18 yards per catch and over 10 per target. Same with Tyler Vaughn's was even like a 15 per catch. So they've been offense that throw down field. But when you brought up the jet sweep, it was that Velas Jones guy that Mm. coming into the year he was the one. Now it'll be interesting because when you look at USC and what they're doing. First two games, like, Velas Jones didn't even get a touch against Stanford. I don't know if that's Stanford. I didn't even get to watch that game. But I watched the UNLV game, and some of the UNLV game, he only had, like, two rushes. They weren't using that. So either they've been holding on to it and have it in their arsenal to deploy it when needed, or when Texas may just be the benefit that they don't use it as much. But Velas Jones and that Sydney kid will be the two names to watch in that Jets no, Bless your heart for they're watching UNLV football, man. Yep. Yeah, they're definitely breaking out the Jets sweep. I can tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, and you look at the run game i mean last year look at uh usc they were bottom 40 in every rushing metric defensively if you look at now their pass defense was great but they couldn't stop the run so if texas can just maybe it was sort of deceiving in how we were saying oh it's weird texas manhandled usc and numbers play mm-hmm. out they were that team all season long we just saw them get manhandled by stanford, stanford do it again so it may be a really ugly and conservative type game plan but I was blown away whenever I looked at the over-under. It's not set for Texas-USC yet, but last week for Stanford-USC was 56-and-a-half. They only scored 20 points. It was way lower wow. than expected. So they were expecting more offense than we saw. So I'll, it'll be a good yeah. metric to see what they think about Texas. If it's a high over-under, they're going to like Texas. Yeah. Rod, you, you think you think this is one of those weeks where Clay Helton like, sends those jet sweep messages like, if the staff's having lunch, he like folds up a paper airplane and hits T. Martin in the head with it. He unfolds <laughs> yeah. and says, "Jet sweep, jet sweep." No, I think you'll get you know like they'll put running backs in certain positions so they can get the running back to, to run the jet sweep. And they I have think, a core of yeah. four running backs: Carr, yeah. Malpai. Exactly. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think you'll just you'll just you'll just see it. like it's gonna be like five or six times. But think about it: Tulsa did it. I want to say four times. They got eight yards, twelve yards. 26 yards, God. and I want to say 16 yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it was, I mean, they're not small gains. <laughs> talking no. about chunk yard. Yeah. Probably, most of the explosive plays Texas given up this year have been to the jet sweep. It's crazy. So they're going to have that in it. Yeah. And so, I think if they'll go man to man, they're going to go just jump balls a lot of the time, too. Again, man, this Texas offense, Rod, I just, I look at them against this USC defense, and I think the game plan for USC should be the same as it was last year. See if Sam Ellinger can beat you. Because it's interesting when you look at that. I think we're starting to see an identity with this Texas offense. I agree. Just well, I'm not again. saying it's a it's a great one or an elite one, but it, it's an identity nonetheless. I know that, things they can do well. And you know, Tim Beck said we want to be an offense that wants to run the ball whenever we can. And Tom Herman talked about it this week. He said we're becoming a a play action, a, a run play action offense. And to me, that's an offense that you want to control the ball, control the clock with the run game. And when we throw it, we want to take shots down you the field. Go, you want to go vertical. We want yeah. to create explosive plays off our in our play action game. Yeah. And like I've said time again, man, when you when you follow Tom Herman's career and you look at his play action passing series, that's when he's at his most creative. Oh yeah. You can do so many different things with your formation variations. Yes. Yeah. And it, we just haven't seen it because Rod, like you say all the time, man. It, Hard to have a play action game when your run game sucks. No, no doubt about it. But, yeah, but at was, the same time, they broke out the, a lot of the RPO packages too versus Tulsa. Yeah, which I don't know if you consider it play action. I guess if you want to, you know, what I mean, it's um, it. you know, what I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. But it, yeah. I think it's a different like variation. Somebody of will rip us action. for that. Yeah, it's exactly. Kind of same um, consequence, if you will. Um, but I, I think that now I agree with you. I think when Tom Herman's at his best, he can run the ball. And after off that running game, he does. He wants to go vertical. He doesn't want to. Right now, his passing game is limited to being kind of a high percentage pass game. He'd much rather be a vertical passing game to get downfield. It, but to me, it, offensively, offensively, it goes back to 
Sam Ellinger running the football. And if you're Texas, you need to give yourself every advantage possible to move the football, number one. And and the best advantage you have, get the numbers in your favor. And the numbers are in your favor when the quarterback becomes a run threat. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. And and I'll say this about the offense, too, before we get to predictions. For and, And this is one of those cliche things, but for this offense, it's true. When you've got more of a traditional offense like Texas does, you got to be really good on first down. Yeah, yeah you got to be it. really good on first down. Tom Herman talked yeah. about this week too. He said, "Hey, you got to get into a rhythm on first down. You, you, penalties are included in that too. You, you know, there were some really good first down plays they had against Tulsa. Yep. they got called back because of penalties. Nope, you're totally right. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you've got to be really good consistently and on first get down. Get back to your point about the uh, you want to be a run game play action offense. You definitely can't do that when you're behind the chains because right. then your playbook is so limited. You're like the Cowboys this past weekend." They had like one third down out of like nine third downs that was less than five or seven yards. And with the field position deal being what it is right now, even if you're even if you're getting a first down and then punting, at least you're not telling Bushevsky, hey, we need you to we need a fifty yard punt right here. Exactly right. To flip the field. No, why don't we need a a forty yard punt if you can just knock it down inside the ten, that'd be great. Yep. And trust your gunners, which you Really good gunners. Josh Thompson's Josh Thompson's one of the best gunners I've seen around here in a long time. Yeah, he is. No, I agree. He, he's 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 got the look for it too, man. He's long. Like he's athletic. he's he's like getting that Michael yeah. Ungar level of, of being Michael a Ungar. Nice He was a great there. gunner, was he, he was not? Michael, I, don't, I think he got clocked like a four four or four three or something, dude. I'm not joking. He was a very fast white guy. Very fast. Michael Unger is pissed at like the Halo rules not called near as much now <laughs> as it was back Michael, in like 2000, yeah, yeah, 2002. Man, that's a great reference, Michael Unger. That's the Michael Unger rules, the Halo rule. Hell yeah, man. I'm always yeah. down there violating that thing. All right, <laughs> let's go ahead and get to some predictions. Uh, Matt, start with you. Texas SC, who do you like and what's the score? Oh, man, I've been going back and forth with this one, but I think Texas at home will narrowly somehow win this game. I think it will be low scoring, and it'll be like 17-16 Texas. Ooh, 1760 Texas. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh man, I'm gonna go with Texas here, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm doing it almost begrudgingly, but I think Texas defense wins the game for me too. In this game. Begrudgingly, yeah, because they're going up against JT Downs. I'll go with Texas, twenty-three to twenty-three to twenty. Yeah, twenty-three twenty. Uh, I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm more in line with kind of Matt's score. I'm more on the low end. Um, Tom Herman doesn't like field goals, right? He's admitted that. He, he didn't. Well, obviously, he skipped, a, he skipped one for zero points this past weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not skipper. But <laughs> I think Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker? Wins this game for Texas. Yeah. And look, I don't think this turns the season around or this Dicker. is like some kind of watershed victory, but I think this just kind of lets everybody – Going to conference play with a good feeling, like okay, you salvage something yeah. out of conference play. Fans breathe. Dicker becomes a household name, huh? I'll take and, and yeah. mostly this is not some great revelation about Texas because we still don't know what this Texas team is. I think this is more the fact that I don't think USC is that good. Um, I'll take Texas twenty to seventeen. All right, Dicker becomes a star. I like that. It's time Dicker the more. kicker, baby. Dicker the kicker, baby. We need to hear it. I'm ready for it. Well, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Always on the Horn app and hornfm.com where you can hear Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday. Same as Perry. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.